1: all
2: right well thanks for joining us i hope you're someplace where the air conditioning works it's going to be one heck of a week here in the midwest and pretty much in most of the united states uh from what i can uh from what i can see uh as my experience as a media urologist um we are under the dome well uh coming up on uh Today's show, I have uh, two people, one that I had on many years ago, and I've got him back on. His name is Senator Damon Thayer. He's the majority leader of the Kentucky Senate. Last time I saw him on camera, he was at Ascot with his top hat and his tails. We're going to talk about Ascot and also being a senator from Kentucky. What is going on in Kentucky is what we want to know. Uh, Is the state going to interfere with the way racing is run? And uh, Damon uh, worked at a lot of racetracks coming up. I remember when he started out in Detroit, Detroit. Then I remember he was at Thistledown for a little while with Bill Mooney. And then I believe his last job in racing was Turfway Park. So I want to ask him about Turfway Park and what the plans are. You know, they've had a new purchase there. And there's a lot of questions as to whether or not the uh, ownership is going to continue with racing in Kentucky. So I look forward to Senator Thurston fair's thoughts on that, and then uh, winning ponies regular Eric Wing is going to be with us. Um, as you know, that uh, he is uh, currently the communications director for HorseTurnies and uh, it's horse racing's number one destiny for player friendly qualifying contests. Eric's a darn good handicapper too, and uh, we're going to bring him in. To uh, handicap Saratoga, not for tomorrow, Uh, Monmouth, I mean, not for Saturday, Uh, Monmouth Park, who I do believe is racing on Saturday, and then we're going to go out to Del Mar, hopefully the ocean breeze is coming in, and everything's going to be okay out there. Uh, As you know, we have uh, severe heat is leading to racing cancellations, one of the biggest cancellations believe it or not saratoga's saturday card will not be run the card is going to be moved to sunday and they're going to add two races uh one of them is the grade three shoe v a two hundred thousand dollar race uh three and up fillies and mares and uh the other is a pre-scheduled uh, hurdle race so um the hurdle race and the shoe v will be added to if you've already downloaded your pps or wherever you get your information from that card will be run on sunday so it's kind of rare i think it's since 2016 that they've canceled a the card at saratoga due to weather um also mark your calendars laurel park parks racing delaware park and and Finger Lakes have canceled their Saturday races. Uh, They say it's just going to be unbelievable, and I can attest to that. Uh, It's uh, been a kind of challenging, what do you call it, heartfelt uh, 48 hours for me uh, because a good friend passed away. Uh, that if you stay on top of the racing game, you'll know who he is. Is, And his name was Bob Fortas. Uh, he was a legendary New Orleans turf writer uh, and editor for the New Orleans times Picky u uh, He uh, passed away on Tuesday morning. Um, it was a result of complications from injuries he had when he was struck by a car back at the end of March Uh, near his home in new orleans i mean he could walk from his track to the fairgrounds and uh you know he was a contributor to the racing form uh after the times picayune laid him off in 2012 uh bob didn't know this he was 69 years old (coughs) excuse me got a little frog in my throat uh i got to know him and he befriended me when i became the publicity director down at the fairgrounds some 32 years ago and uh he had such a sharp wit uh and he's very endearing he knew i was down there by myself and i didn't really uh know anyone (laughs) and uh so you know we started hanging out together we'd go out for an occasional beer now and then uh but we could talk horses you know and he says oh my god thank god we got somebody down here that you know, really knows national racing and has a, a good grasp of racing. I always took that as a good compliment. Excuse me while I try to chase that fog down my throat with some water. Um, and uh, I got to know him. We got to be friends. He had a warm file, but it, he, he was not outgoing um, as far as in the public eye. But what a writer he was. I mean, Bob really did his homework when he got into a a story. Uh, Do yourself a favor. Go to uh, DRF, dailyracingforum.com. Marcus Hirsch wrote a very nice uh, tribute to Bob. And he uh, really hit on a lot of things that, you know, quite frankly, some things I didn't know is is that – He started out in the St. Louis area, went to the University of Michigan that I believe Senator Thayer went to, and uh, then became a college teacher at Tulane, which brought him to New Orleans back in the early 80s. And uh, he said academia wasn't his calling. He quit his job and went to work at the Times-Picayune, hoping to get to cover horse racing, uh, which uh, eventually he did. he uh, was a really good handicapper, and uh, some some things I didn't know was Bob was a Division I athlete who ran track and cross country at Michigan, and in 2013, he won the National Turf Riders and Broadcasters Walter Haid Award for Lifetime Achievement. Uh, and then in 2011, oh, you walk down the hallway and there were some great people on this wall. He was elected to the Fairgrounds Press Box Hall of Fame. There were some characters on that. And uh, Bob was added to it back in 2011. Uh, he started having health problems in 2017 when he had a tumor uh, at the base of his spine. And, and then the car crash just, you know, he was never really the same after that. But uh uh, Bob Fortas, uh, as you know, I've had him on as, as a guest and his best friend, I'm going to guess, in racing, Gary West, where the two of them published Ride to Win, an inside look at the jockey's craft. Now, that book's only about four years old, and it, it is, doesn't matter. You pick it up. It they take you through the life and the thoughts and everything that goes into riding, no one aspect, they take you to the early days. Now, they're interviewing famous jockeys all along, I think to 10 Hall of Famers and all, but other jockeys besides that. And they really give you insights into what's going through their mind um, when uh, when they're warming up and what they do to relax a horse. And uh, it's just a sensational book. So I hope you got your pens out. Ride to Win, An Inside Look at the Jockey's Craft, uh, written by Bob Fortas and Gary West. I may get Gary on the show next week to kind of reflect on Bob and his career and talk about the book because it is sensational. If you're a fan of racing, you got to get it one more time. Ride to Win, An Inside Look at the Jockey's Craft, and purchases of this book, a portion goes to the PDJF. All right. Well, uh, last week, I had Tom Law on to help me handicap, as well as Nancy Uri-Holthus, to look at Indiana Grand. And I was there. What a night. First of all, I want to thank Tammy Knox and her whole staff. Great people. I was working alongside uh, five-time Eclipse Award-winning writer Jenny Reese, and, but the Indiana Oaks to me was the race of the night, even though most people tell you it was the Indiana Derby and in the winter circle after the race, drum roll, please. None other than street band and a stride street band was Sophie Doyle. Uh, it was absolutely great. The crowd went wild, uh, street band, uh, just kind of, she rated it beautiful split horses at the three furlong long marker. And then, uh, you know, drew away by three and a half lengths. Oh, the celebration after was fantastic. Uh, Even her mother Jacqueline joined her FaceTime. Friends of hers had FaceTime up, let her mother watch the race, and then greet Sophie in the winner's circle. It was fantastic seeing her uh, draped in the flowers. So, uh, congratulations uh, to Sophie Doyle. Uh, If you've ever seen her smile, it will light up your day. I guarantee you. Uh, For the second spot, it was Sunday at the beach, and in third was Chocolate Kisses. Okay, we can't let the Derby go without a mention uh, because uh, this was uh, our Winning ponies' Daily Double for you, and the winner in there overcame the outside post position. Mister Money, very happy crowd there. Mister Money was the favorite, overcame the post, kind of stalked for a little while, took over into the stretch, and won by two and a half lengths. Now, what did happen at the start of this race? that was very exciting in a bad way. Was Eskin for it? Dropped Julian the Peru, and what he did, the horse next to him caught his uh, shin with a. Uh, shoe, uh, chop, I should say, cause it was bleeding pretty bad. Uh, but anyhow, uh, Julian got off the track, but asking for it, kind of ended up finishing in front of Mr. Money. Uh, you could see Gabe Sayas looking over at the horse as he went by. But nonetheless, uh, it, w- it was a-, a great evening, a little bit warm, but a great evening in Indiana Derby and Indiana Oaks. Also with Tom Law, we went took a quick ride up to Saratoga, short field in the Sanford Stakes. The winner was... By your side, the favorite, making only his second-time start, One of his maiden first out by a nose at Churchill, trained by Eddie Canale, ridden by Irad Ortiz this day. I do believe it was the first stakes winner for young sire, Constitution. In the second spot was Tomato Bill, And third was Raging Whiskey. And then the Diana, well, all you had to do was box the Chad Brown horses if you wanted the trifecta. On top was Sister Charlie in the second spot, Rushing Fall. And finishing third was Homarique. Chad Brown just loves those grass races at the spa and the day before saturday on the inner turf they went in the grade three forbidden apple and the winner was mr haverkamp three wide on both turns but overcame it with junior alvarado in the saddle in the second spot not far back this was an exciting finish hembray was there with a nice rally who outlasted the favorite Curbine for third all right that's a look at the races we handicapped on winning ponies last week so uh, we're going to get ready to talk to senator thayer before we do that everybody just kind of take a deep breath and namaste right there
1: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track?
3: stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspiring really fast
1: all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Engelhart. got a tip for us
2: All right, and with me, I guess I've been trying to get on for a couple of weeks. We had the 4th of July break us up and uh, a few uh, uh conflicts where we couldn't get together, but finally I got him. Uh, Now he is Senator Damon Thayer. I knew him when he was just Damon Thayer, a racetrack guy. Now, the first time I ever saw Damon, as I recall, was on television, and he was in a tuxedo, and I believe it was the Michigan Mile, and he was on air uh, with with another co-host at the time, and then the last time I saw Damon, that he was on air, he was in Top Hat and Tails. And uh, when I tried to get him last week, he couldn't be with us because he was at another racetrack. But it was Kentucky Speedway, so I'm not sure how he was dressed for that one. Either way, Damon, there, how are you doing?
4: Old friend John Engelhart, I'm doing great. It's, it's great to hear from you. You have a great memory. That was 1988. I was a student at Michigan State, and I was a summer publicity assistant at the old Detroit Race Course and uh we wore tuxedos for the tv broadcast that day and uh i got to interview craig perette after he galloped around the track on lost code to yeah. win the michigan mile that's 30 31 years ago uh that track is no longer there but i'm still going strong and i'm i'm still race tracker damon there i got another job in the state senate but i i still still love horse racing more than any, anything else and uh yeah, you saw me last month when I was at Royal Ascot. You know, living up to the uh, dress code there. You got to wear your top hat and tails, John.
2: Yeah, it was great, you know, and it was it was a fantastic interview by the way on TVG. And uh, it was kind of neat uh you took your uh your your son and daughter. Your son had just graduated and that was his present and you made it a a two for one bringing the whole family.
4: Yeah, my son Daniel just graduated from Northern Kentucky University and uh so that trip to England uh, was uh, the second half of his graduation gift. The first half uh, was I took him and his college squad, as he calls them, to the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, you know, gifts to my kids revolve around horse races. <laughs> so I took Daniel and my daughter, Katie, to England for a week and uh, saw a couple of great concerts at Wembley Stadium. Uh, but the best, the highlight was absolutely Royal Ascot. What a, what a great experience! I, I I recommend every racing fan do it at least once, but save save your money as it's really expensive. Uh, and pounds, British pounds are are expensive. About a dollar twenty five for one pound, but it was totally worth it. Um, and uh, it's an ex- experience unlike anything I've ever done in horse racing and in sports. I've uh, been to the Breeders' Cup, the Kentucky Derby, the Final Four. Uh, you know, been to Dubai, been to a lot of great events. This was, this was the best sporting event I've ever been to in my life.
2: Were you there the day Frankie Dettori almost swept the card? Yeah, I, I saw he won four of the six.
4: So Royal Ascot is five days, Tuesday through Saturday, <clears throat> uh, five, six races a day. And we were there on the biggest day, Ladies Day uh, and Ascot Gold Cup Day. And uh, Frankie won the first four races, including the Gold Cup, uh, for the second year in a row on a really terrific British stayer named Stradivarius. And then in the fifth race, he had the lead with like an eighth of a mile to go, and everybody thought he had won it, but the, the stretch run there is so long, he ended up getting yeah. caught on the wire. Uh, but it was pretty exciting, and to the, to, the, uh, to the point that now bookmakers in England will not accept multi-race bets on Frankie Dettori to win uh, to win to win multiple <laughs> races <laughs> because they lose so much money cuz one yeah. day uh, 20 years ago he uh, during the uh, Queen Elizabeth Stakes day in September at Ascot he won all six races and oh my and God. British bookmakers lost millions of pounds and and they lost they lost again on him uh, on on uh, Ascot Gold Cup hey, so they won't take multi-race bets on Frankie Tory winning. So it was pretty special. We got to see the queen. My kids staked out her exit position uh, and waited for an hour for her to leave after the last race. And they got within five feet of Queen Elizabeth II, which was really cool. I stayed in wow. a lot of horse races. They ditched me. They're like, Dad, we're going to go find the queen. And I was like, no problem. Go have a good time. I'm going to see <laughs> if I can pick a winner here, so, which I didn't, by the way. But I still had a great time. I love, I love betting with the bookmakers over there. It's really cool. You can shop around. It's fixed odds wagering, which I think we yeah. should have here in the States. Uh, and, you know, I, I shopped around, found the best price on a horse I like, an Aiden O'Brien horse named Constantinople, who had the lead when he passed my feet, but ended up getting caught at the wire by one of his stablemates, which often happens when Aiden O'Brien runs three, four, five horses in a race. Uh, it's not a betting entry. It's not a coupled entry either. So right. it was cool. I got to shop around, got like, uh, you know, five to one, six to one when everybody else was doing three or four to one. That was kind of a cool experience.
2: It really is. I've, I've been to Ireland. I haven't, uh, I haven't been to England, but it is. The books and they're such characters. It's fantastic. Well, Damon, I wonder, how many uh, gentlemen that you work alongside have any idea that you worked at Detroit Racecourse, Thistledown, and Turfway Park? And Laurel
4: and Pimlico.
2: Oh, I didn't but, know that. I forgot those
4: years. Yeah. Detroit, Missile, um, Laurel, Pimlico, Turfway, Kentucky Downs, and the Breeders' Cup. Um, yeah, I mean, if, you know, if they ask me about horse racing, you know, I, I talk about it. And uh, you know, I uh, most most of my colleagues in the Senate, you know, know that I come from a horse racing background. And uh, anytime we have issues related to horse racing or breeding, uh, you know, they come to me and we talk about it. Some of my proudest accomplishments are things like getting the uh, Kentucky Breeders Incentive Fund passed. Uh, working with Speaker David Osborne, two years ago, we passed a permanent tax credit to attract the Breeders' Cup back to Kentucky more regularly. Now that we've got you know, two tracks that approve, they can they can run it, of course, Churchill and Keeneland. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's why I moved to Kentucky 26 and a half years ago. I came here to work at Turfway. It was a, really a teenage dream for me. To, I always wanted to move to Kentucky and work in the horse business. I got sidetracked into politics, and I'm having a great time. feel like the policies we're passing are really good for the people of Kentucky, but I'm still heavily involved in horse racing. As a matter of fact, i bought into a couple of two-year-old partnerships this year, kind of a bucket list item for me. Uh, I've got a couple two-year-olds with Iron Horse Stable. You may remember yeah. them. they had Baccaro. Yeah, absolutely and, uh, great guys. Yes. Yeah, and I'm in uh with Joe Cristefax group Brilliant Racing. So we've got two 2-year-olds there and uh the one to watch right now is a horse we've got with Tim Blayshall named It's Mandatory and then a filly with Brilliant Racing, she's with Michelle Laval. Her name is Risky Behavior. They're the they're the most forward uh of the bunch so far. Although I I'm in on a indiana bred at indiana grand named lady ally and we really like her so uh you know with two-year-olds you're always the ultimate optimist when you've got an unraised two-year-old and i just got little pieces five percent here two percent there
2: oh that's the way to go
4: something i've always wanted to do my dad died last december and uh i just decided i was going to start doing wanted to do that i talked to my dad about doing and never got around doing so I went to Royal Ascot and I bought racehorses. So call me crazy.
2: Well, by the way, I wouldn't say you got sidelined into politics. I remember asking you one time, uh, "What do you like to do when you're not the track?" And you said, "Read political speeches." And I'm like,
1: "Man, he's the only <laughs> race tracker
2: I know that reads political speeches." So it wasn't by accident that you landed uh, in in your chair there. Uh, you know, as the majority leader of the Kentucky Senate. Uh, we're talking with Damon Thayer. Well, you brought up a name. Uh, that's close to both of us, and that's Turfway Park. Damon, can you tell us anything about what is or what might be happening with their future?
4: It's, it's really up in the air, and it's, it's really sad. You know, John, when uh, when you were at River Downs and I was across the river at Turfway, th- those were the glory days with Jerry Carroll and Mark Simendinger, and Turfway is such uh, a shadow of its old self, and it's really become the weak link in the Kentucky circuit. The current owners, Jack Casino, just really don't care about horse racing and they're protecting their casino property across the river. But as you know, uh, both the, the Jack Casino and Turfway have been sold to Hard Rock and they're going to rebrand the casino as Hard Rock Casino. We know that. We don't really know yet what they're going to do with the racetrack. And I'm really hopeful that they'll do three things. First of all, take a wrecking ball to the old grandstand and rebuild something smaller like they've got at Indiana Grand or Hoosier Park. You know, we're, we're put in the historical horse racing machines, put in a nice race book. Uh, I think they should replace the poly track with tapeta, uh, and they need to make massive renovations to the barn area. Those are the three things I would do if I owned Turfway, but I don't have $30 million to buy it and $50 million to fix it up. So um, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. I know that the Horse Racing Commission is putting some pressure on them to make a commitment to a capital improvements plan. You know, every, every racetrack has to come to the Racing Commission every fall and request racing dates for the next year, including Churchill Downs for the Kentucky Derby. And this Racing Commission, under the leadership of Governor Bevan and Chairman Frank Kling, has created some new thresholds that tracks have to meet for safety and integrity and creature comforts for the fans and safety for the horses and jockeys. And I'm hopeful, frankly, that this racing commission will put some pressure on Hard Rock uh, to do the right thing and, and make an investment in, in Turfway Park. And uh, it, it's, it, it has an important four-month stop on the Kentucky racing circuit, um, and, and but it's a weak link right now. And I, I just hope that they make a commitment to bringing Turfway back to a semblance of its glory days because it's a great market. And racing fans in Cincinnati and northern Kentucky are among the best i've ever seen and you know they they deserve a nice place to go simulcasting historical horse racing live racing dining and uh you know if we pass sports betting next year you know turfway park would be an ideal location for a race and sports book and i think it'd be really well received so that that's all i know it's just conjecture at this time but it's my hope that the regulatory body the horse racing commission will put some pressure on Hard Rock to to invest some money in turfway, If not, I hope they sell it to a a track operator uh, that cares about racing in Kentucky.
2: Uh, And and there are several of those. the, The scary thing is this, and you know it, how valuable that property is. A lot of our listeners probably don't realize that it sits on about 200 acres right next to the airport and a brand new Amazon and FedEx shipping center. And you think of those three entities, wouldn't they love to stretch out for another 200 acres? That is what scares me.
4: That's a really good point. And I'll I'll tell you something that my friend, uh, from Erlanger, State Representative Adam Koenig told me. And Adam is chairman of the Licensing and Occupations Committee, which handles all horse racing uh, items, and he's also the sponsor of the sports wagering bill. Representative Koenig had what I thought was a great idea, uh, and that is maybe maybe they sell Turfway for the land and they build a new, smaller, modern facility somewhere else in northern Kentucky. Maybe even over where the old Latonia race course yes!
0: was, yes, you know <laughs> there's great. not a lot
4: going on there anymore. At the, it's, a, it's a, it was a strip mall, and I'm told that a lot of uh, a lot of those are out of business. So you know maybe maybe Representative Caning is onto something here. Maybe they they sell it, then and, uh, and they you know rebuild a a smaller, more right sized facility with modern amenities and conveniences. And, uh, and, and do something over there, build a mile track with a tapita course. You've got to have the synthetic because Turfway races in the winter. But I think tapita is the best winter uh, track, best synthetic surface out there. There's really nobody left to, to even service the poly track anymore. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's going to happen. But, you know, people like you and me who love Turfway Park and love horse racing in northern Kentucky uh, are, are waiting to find out what Hard Rock's going to do. So I, I think we've touched on what some of the options are.
2: Well, yeah, Damon. Hey, uh, both you and I have a lot of friends that that work there, and it helps uh, get them through the, the the winter. It bridges that gap, uh, whether they're going to go on to race at a Kentucky track or an Ohio track. Uh, you know, the right there on the border with the Ohio River, um, and it, it's. It, I don't know where those horsemen, those racing officials, those gate crews, those maintenance guys are going to go for that period of time. If it disappears, that's what really scares me.
4: It is. It is a frightening. A lot of jobs at stake, but, but here's the thing. A racetrack can only exist if there's a market for it. I mean, ultimately in a market-based economy, you have to have a racetrack that's supported by the fans and and, that, and that's the ironic aspect to it. John, you and I both know there's a great market in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky for horse racing, and there's also a spot on the simulcast calendar from December to March for a nighttime racetrack to, to uh, provide content to uh, OTBs, uh, simulca- uh, live tracks that are simulcasting, and advanced deposit wagering sites. And so I, I really think a uh, a uh, 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 either a modernized Turfway or a new Turfway uh, with with higher purses fueled by historical horse racing could really be like, well accepted in the marketplace. Mountaineer Racetrack is not what it used to be. That Mountaineer kind of was the first track that, that started putting the squeeze on on Turfway uh, and started to harm that winter meet. But Mountaineer uh, is is not what it used to be. It doesn't even race in the winter anymore. I just think there's a great opportunity, especially with the synthetic surface, uh, for for Turfway to prosper uh, and to keep all those jobs and and maintain our year-round racing circuit, which is really critical to to the economy here in Kentucky.
2: Absolutely. Well, Damon, my uh, producer's telling me, I got to sell some ads here if I'm going to stay on the air. It's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, promise me uh, when we do find out more about what's going to happen in Northern Kentucky, you'll come back on.
4: Absolutely. I'm always happy to come on the air with you, John. You're, you're a great friend. We've been, known each other for like 30 years and uh, really glad to be on your show and happy to do it anytime. And uh, I know you got to go pay some bills. I'm an old radio guy, so I know how that goes. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, we would talk with Senator Damon Thayer, the majority leader of the Kentucky Senate. And in just a minute or so, we're gonna talk to the majority leader of the handicapping circuit involving horse tourneys, and that's none other none other than Eric Wing. We'll be right back.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What?
2: on the internet, now I've got the leader of horse tourneys, none other than Eric Wing, who's no stranger to winning ponies. Eric, how you doing? I'm great, John.
0: How are you? I'm hot. <laughs> well, I'm going to be hot starting tomorrow, <laughs> as some of the racetrack cancellations uh, may have indicated to you uh, around the East Coast, because uh, today was our little day of respite here in New York. Um, it's going to get hot tomorrow and then brutal on saturday
2: i know i mentioned at the top of the show we're uh, talking with eric wing uh that not only is saratoga moving their saturday card to sunday but full card cancellations are also going to happen at laurel park parks racing delaware parks and the finger finger lakes in upstate new york now Eric is a guy that has a lot to do with the scheduling of different kinds of tournaments. And I'll tell you, I I did my homework. I went up on the horse tourneys and looked at this week's, uh, you know, different offerings, shall I say, that you have. And my God, you've got every kind of format at tracks from coast to coast. Now, I got to ask you this. Uh, how much of a fly in the ointment happens when you got horse tourneys and I say, hey, we're going to take so many races from Saratoga, so many races from here, so many races from here. You know, there's different formats everywhere. But certainly this time of the year, uh, Saratoga, hopefully we're safe with Delmar, but Saratoga's got to be one of the key tracks that you throw into just about any tournament that you're putting together.
0: Oh, a- absolutely! Now, now we have two kinds of tournaments in general, uh, John: single track tournaments and multi track tournaments. Our, our biggest, richest tournaments are the multi tracks. Um, and, but, but as you saw, we have a, a, a wide array of of tracks that we use. Um, all of those tracks, we have agreements with. We don't operate. You know, we're not trying to do anything on the sly or behind anyone's back. We have agreements with all the tracks that, that we utilize. Um, and obviously, Saratoga is a big drawing card at this time of year. Um, and, that, and that's too bad when they, they cancel a day. It, it, you know, it, it hurts us. It hurts simulcast outlets around the country who do a ton of business on Saratoga. It hurts Saratoga themselves, Naira themselves. Um, but... The fly in the ointment was a lot smaller a fly because these uh, tournaments or or these uh, cards were canceled between 24 and 48 hours in advance, depending on which track we're talking about here. Um, We have a, a rule at Horse Tourneys on our multi track tournaments that. Um, if there 's a late cancellation, we go ahead with our tournament as long as seventy percent of the races uh, that were scheduled still take place. for example, if a ten race tournament becomes a seven race tournament we 're still good we 'll continue on with the tournament if If four races out of ten got not get knocked out then that's that 's sixty percent left, and then we cancel the tournament Now, what we don 't do is substitute in a new track at the last minute or, you know, or on the morning of that to us, that's unfair. You know, we, 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 we try to attract entries based on such and such a set of races and to then, you know, throw in a new track out of left field at the, at the last minute or the 11th hour just seems unfair to us. We don't like to do business that way. So in that situation, we'll kill a tournament Um, because so many cancellations were made again, 24 to 48 hours in advance. You know, we had Ellis in a, in a multi-track tournament on Friday. We were able to substitute, um, Actually, we just took more races from uh, Saratoga and Del Mar for Friday. And then, uh, you know, when Saratoga canceled, we were able to, again, it, it, we had use more Del Mar races, use three from Gulfstream, where <laughs> it's funny, in South Florida, the weather is more temperate than up here in the Northeast. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And, and then also three races from Monmouth, where – You know, as far as we know, the the Haskell Day is still a go. And, of course, they have national television commitments at Monmouth uh, with the NBC network. So if if people out there are wondering, gee whiz, you know, uh, Delaware Park, Saratoga, Ellis, all canceled. Why is Monmouth still going on? Um, In addition to everything else, there's a lot of... There, there are a lot of logistics that are hard to change, um, but there are techniques that the track can use to make the day to go, including cooling stations and lots of hoses, as you know, um, to keep the horses uh, keep the horses comfortable. But because these changes were made so early in the game, so to speak, not a big deal for us. Yeah, we'd love to have Saratoga, but. You know, these things happen and, you know, some other day during the meet, they're probably going to have to cancel in mid-card because of some otherworldly type thunderstorm that we can't, can't predict. So just one of the vagaries of racing and racing schedules.
2: So it will go on, and anybody that's interested, uh, and believe me, I'm not a paid sponsor, uh, they can go to horsetourneys.com and see what is up there and what's available. Well, anyhow, if you were planning on betting Saratoga and can't, as I told you earlier in the show, uh, everything's going to be moved. That entire car is being moved to Sunday. Uh, What's being added is the grade three shoe V and a uh, steeplechase race. I know in the old days when I used to be up there, all I did was look around to see if Jonathan Shepard had anything in the race, and I bet it, and I'd win. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but anyhow, uh, the uh, the Coaching Club of America Oaks again, uh, just a, uh, such a storied race in American history, and to think that, that we only can draw five horses breaks my heart. Um, but though there's some talent in there, so let's take a quick look at it. To me, it looks like you got to make a decision between two horses. Garana, who uh, seems to be some freak, but a freak that they knew about because they made this horse the favorite over Surroganty Empress, winner of the Oaks in the grade one acorn. And this horse just ran off by six lengths with a 99 buyer uh when not being asked by jose ortiz will break from the inside post and on the outside you got point of honor a horse that rates very well uh that took last time we saw her daughter of Curlin, uh was when she took the black-eyed susan in a very impressive fashion uh javier castellano do for them, them out there uh, i mean to me it's it's a two horse box but it's not going to get you a whole lot of money you got you got somebody i didn't mention
0: yeah, it, I, I do, John, and part of the reason I think the coaching club only has five horses is due to the presence of Garana, who, uh, I mean, you you referred to her just now as a freak. I, I don't know, ironic or not, but uh, Chad Brown has told Andy Serling, at least based on what Serling has said on TV, Brown has called her a freak to Serling, and uh Brown has been around enough horses, both his own and those of Bobby Frankel, to know what the difference is between a really good horse and a horse who deserves to be called a freak. (laughs) Um, And you're right that uh, being made the favorite in a grade one after just a maiden victory is impressive. Now, Garan is the kind of horse that, According to the old Harvey Pack theory, you're not supposed to bet on, you know, never bet a horse doing something he or she's never done before as the favorite. Correct. Um, Garana's going to be going uh, around two turns for the first time. If you're, you know, a, a hardcore Harvey Pack devotee, you pass on her. But she's awfully hard to bet against at the same time. The horse I'll offer is an alternative to point of honor is the number three horse Boxwood, who it. is uh, twelve to one in the morning line for Eddie Keneally. If you just, she's picking up five pounds, which I don't particularly care for, but she did win her um, her most recent two turn start by ten lengths, albeit in the mud. And based on speed figures, she's just not that far off. Uh, Point of Honor, and Champagne, anyone, the two-horse, I think she'll be probably two to three times the price of those two horses, so I'm looking at a a cold 1-3 Garana Boxwood Exacto with a very, very small reversal the other way, 3-1, just in case Garana flunks the two-turn test.
2: All right. We're talking with Eric wing from horse tourneys is a good handicapper. Uh, besides a, uh, an excellent uh, promoter of the sport. Uh, well, let's talk about Monmouth. Let's get that in while we can. You got the ocean breeze there. I hope that will keep things cooler for the fans and horses at Monmouth park. Of course, all eyes on the Haskell invitational only got two minutes left, Eric. So let's at least get the Monmouth park races uh, down. Uh, you know, I, All eyes on maximum security. Uh, Got beat by uh, King for a day last time. Uh, May, you know, could have just been a bounce race, but be honest with you, give me two bucks, I'm going to go to the window and bet King for a day. Uh,
0: Yeah, to me, there's a couple of horses that just have no chance in here. Um, The four Bethlehem Road and the three Spun to Run. I would give some chance to the other five, including... Um, king for a Day, Mucho Gusto from the Baffert Barn. He's, he's great in the Haskell. Even Jovia, uh, not bad in the Belmont, having run third. Um, Everfast, um, a close seventh in the Belmont, dropping weight, great work. And, of course, Maximum Security, who absolutely could win. For me, it's a spread race. Um, I'm, I'm not crazy about the race from a betting standpoint, but Everfast, style really suits the race it seems like the others all want to go to the lead and everfast may sit a trip so i'm going to use everfast with those other four contenders that i mentioned back and forth all right
2: well uh let's see if we can squeeze this in probably only got a minute left uh we'll go uh we should do at least uh one oh i got it one minute okay which race you want to do at del mar the uh, san diego or the san clemente uh
0: prefer the uh um... San Clemente, it's a more interesting race. Catalina Cruiser will win the San Diego.
2: Okay, well, a lot of speed in the San Clemente. We're down to like 30 seconds. Eric Wing, who do you like? Maximum rate? likes would like a
0: rally. keeper of the stars. One for one on turf. Second fastest buyer figure in the field. And that one win on the grass came not against straight three-year-olds, but against older non-winners of two other than competition, that race is going to stack up pretty favorably compared to the races that others have been running uh, in and against. So give me the rail horse at at anything close to those 12-to-1 morning line odds with Keeper of the Stars.
2: I will. That's Eric uh, Wing from Horse Tourneys. I want to thank Senator Damon Thayer, and I want to thank all of you listening to Winning Ponies. Remember, the show will be on podcast, so if one of your friends missed it, tell them to tune in. It was a good show. I thank you. Hey, everybody, stay cool. Drink plenty of liquids, not alcohol, but water.
1: The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart.
2: And uh, we're we're kind of skipping back and forth between Mammoth Park and uh, and Delmar, uh, you know, shuffling the cards a little bit here, but that's okay. Now the Mammoth Cup is a race uh, that's going to be contested uh, at a distance of a mile and an eighth. Uh, so we're asking these horses to go a little bit longer than some of them their comfort zones, uh, but it is a main track race, and uh, I got a feeling that most people's eyes are naturally drawn. Uh, to Coal Front. Uh, that's not saying that that's going to be Eric's pick. But, you know, I mean, Coal is a horse with five graded wins, and including a win over at Maidan, which we know the purses are kind of nice over there. So from 10 lifetime starts. Coal Front, trained by Todd Pletcher, has seven wins and earnings of $1.7 million. I always wanted to have a vet friend of mine explain, if you're a Ridgeling, can you still go to the breeding shed? I know you're not a vet. You got the answer to that question, Eric?
0: I believe you can. Wasn't AP Indy a Ridgeling also? Again, if I
2: knew the answer to that, I'd know the answer to this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that means an undescended testicle, but it doesn't yes. mean you 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 can't reproduce. Or yeah, it well, doesn't I, mean I have three sons, or, or, and know. mine
2: yeah, I understand. I got three sons, and mine aren't even so. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen. Uh, anyhow, uh, before we get personal, uh, so any I you know, without a doubt, the. Average horse player is going to look at this race and go, "How can they beat Johnny V and Colefront? Front? Look at this horse; he's won one point seven million dollars." I get a sneaky suspicion that you could be looking at another horse in here.
0: Yeah, I would love a horse in here, John, and and you're right. Uh, I, I sure hope that everybody, uh, everyone's eyes uh, go, you know, are fixed on Colefront. Front. Who could win the race? And as you say, 1.7 million in the bank. Despite the win at Oaklawn in the Razorback in February at a mile and a sixteenth, though I don't think two turns and let alone a mile and an eighth is this horse's best game. He's never even been a mile and an eighth. I think the horse is more of a one-turn, you know, fast uh, miler type of horse. People who are looking to beat Coalfront, may well then go to Monongahela, Jason Service, Monmouth Park, 102 buyer. You can have him as well, John. Um, Picking up seven pounds off that 102 buyer in the the, um, prep for this race, the Islan, the horse just seems like a a quintessential bounce candidate coming off a a lifetime best. And picking up seven pounds, even if he doesn't bounce. I'm not sure that 102 is going to get it done. The horse I really like to turn the tables on those two, or to just flat out beat those two, they haven't raced against each other before, is number two, Lemonade Thursday for, yes. for uh, Arno Delacour and Paco Lopez. This horse exploded last time out in the two other than. Uh, nothing cheap about the win attended a fast pace, 99 buyers dropping four pounds. Uh, The mile and an eighth looks to be right up his alley. Um, Looks like they thought this was more of a turf horse early on, but I think he's more of a dirt horse. And I frankly look for Lemonade Thursday to not only beat Cole Front and Monongahela, but then go on to be a pretty serious player in the Classic Division going forward um, during the balance of 2019.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a four-year-old colt, and most people will tell you that uh, horses aren't fully, thoroughbreds aren't fully developed until they're five. And this is a son of Lemon Drop Kid, and we all know they can run all day. And, of course, they do like the grass. Uh, But this is on the main track. This horse is going to go up a little bit in class, but I think the horse is ready to do it. And um, the only other question mark horse I have in here is uh, Ball harbor uh mike smith replacing joe bravo say what
0: yeah uh, well you know we, we, we that's a fair point the question is, is is did smith come to ride uh bal harbor uh it looks like that's that's quite possible uh, i'm not quite sure what the deal is with that um you know, you, you, Bravo is not in the race, so um, he's riding for Smith, or rather, he's riding for Pletcher. That does raise one's eyebrow. He's got four lengths to make up on Monongahela, Hila, however, and he's never run fast enough, really, to beat the likes of Coal Front, or for that matter, Lemonade Thursday. So, you know, it, 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 as the great Nick Zito once Said, uh, you know, it's horse racing, not jockey racing. So I'll, I'd rather rely on the solid dope and, and the reasons why I prefer other horses to, to playing Bell Harbor just because of what could be an intriguing uh, jockey assignment.
2: I love that Zito quote. Uh, Okay, listen, we got about a minute left, but I got a feeling that uh, all things point in the San Diego handicap uh, at Del Mar. And yes, it is a minute, my producer just said, uh, to Catalana Cruiser. I mean, this horse is just just phenomenal, Uh, you know throw out the Breeders' Cup dirt mile for whatever reason, though it had a bad start. Uh, This horse is five for six lifetime, coming off a 103 buyer in the true north. Looks like uh, he's ready to roll for John Sadler in the San Diego handicap.
0: Yeah, four of the five horses, I mean, four of his last five races produced triple-digit buyers. Uh, He won this race last year, the San Diego, by six lengths, so... uh, uh, track surface and distance should not be an issue. His win in the True North was really impressive. He didn't really look like he was going to win, and he just sort of gutted out that victory um, when it didn't look like things were going his way. I do like Catalina Cruiser. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Doctor Door, who's the second choice at four to one. He's always been sort of a grinder to me. Um, I'm going to try to. Use Catalina Cruiser on top of the three longest shots in the field, meaning the three higher power, the four draft pick, and the five Monong- uh, Mongolian groom. Prefer three and five out of those three. Um, but in that way, I'm going to hope to.
2: Eric, uh, Eric, I, I got to go. My producer's telling me Alrighty. the show is over. My friend, take
0: care. All right, you too, John. Okay, bye.